We have something very exciting this morning. It's the season of gifts and celebrations and other stuff that we won't mention. We'll just mention the good bits. But we have a gift and a celebration this morning. We have Matt and Elizabeth King with us. Both a gift and a celebration. And many of you, I'm sure, are clapping because you know Matt King. He grew up here in this church. I said at the early service, I don't know where I begin to introduce him because I've known him for many, many years. But Matt grew up here in the church and uh, then after a brief stint in Sydney, went overseas to do the School of Ministry at Bethel Church, eventually ended up on staff there for four years, met his lovely wife, Elizabeth, got married and they've been married four years now. And I'm trying not to give you his life story. But then in recent times, the Lord's called them to move to the UK. They've been based in London. And a lot of doors have been open for them to be a part of a movement over there. And I'll let him tell the details. But preaching in different places in Europe, preaching the gospel, that's his heart. That's his passion. I should warn you, he gets a little more excited than me. So prepare yourself accordingly. But would you welcome him as he comes up? I'm going to pray for him. Welcome him again. I said at the early service, he's not really visiting. He's really just family returned home. He's never a visitor, he says. So we're going to pray for him and then we'll let him loose and get ready. Would you join me as we pray for him? Father, we just thank you for this brother. We thank you for this son of yours. And we thank you for the word that you've put on his heart for us this morning. Lord, I just pray even now that you'd fill him afresh. Thank you that you promise that your word will never return void, but it will accomplish all that you desire as you sent, send it forth. So would your word be sent forth this morning with the power and the grace and the love and the goodness of the power of your Holy Spirit. But I pray for Matt in particular, encourage his heart, refresh him, Lord Jesus, and would he know just your joy and your delight. Would he see his heavenly Father smiling down upon him as he ministers to us this morning. Thank you that you are the giver of every good gift. We pray abundant blessing upon him in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 Wow, it's uh, truly an honor to preach in this church. It's uh, really, I mean that with all my heart. I know that sounds a little bit cliched, but uh, I honestly just cannot tell you. I've been looking forward to this for uh, since Andrew asked me several weeks ago. Uh, this is always going to be a home for me. Uh, this is, you know, always going to be a home church for me. I, I look around the room and I just see so many people that I value so much and uh, so many people that made such a tremendous investment in my life. And uh, I get emotional, I get nervous, I get excited. It's just like a bit of an emotional whirlwind in here. And so I'm going to try and stay as calm on the outside as possible. But let me tell you, I just get a bit emotional and uh, all on the inside, and uh, just, yeah, Len and Margaret, I've just been in their house so many times in Borkham Hills, Sydney, I love you guys, and Burrell Lake, drove past your house yesterday at Burrell Lake, South Coast, God's country, and uh, yeah, it's just so wonderful to be here, and, and just like my best friends, like Paul and Allison, Allison and Andrew, and Adam and Steph, and others, like just, I have so much love for the people in this place, and and uh, so I feel like I'm coming home. And, and for me, I just want you to know, I consider it a great honor to, to speak to you. And, and I'm just really thankful, Andrew, that you'd allow me the privilege uh, to speak. Uh, I was kind of just recounting with the earlier service some of the amazing memories that I have here in this building. Uh, I was actually part of the church when it used to be near the, above the Woden Library. Was anyone there in those days who was Woden Library days? And uh, it was, yeah, Don up the back. Good to see you. And uh, so good to see you. And uh, I just remember green carpet, and, but also I just remember like amazing moments where the Holy Spirit came. I, I remember that was where I first really, because I was so young, I think I was like 12 or something, mum will tell me. And uh, I, I, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just became very real to me. And I'm like, wow, what is this? What is a fire tunnel? And 
And uh, I could tell you many stories, but I won't. And uh, so it, it was, it, yeah, started there. And then as Andrew said, I've just grown up, you know, very much through the church. Even when I was in Sydney, this was still a home. And, and uh, I was just remembering a few moments. I'll just indulge myself if you don't mind. And uh, I remember leading my first like cell group of boys out the back there in that room out there. Chris Vanderspeck was with me. And uh, Chris, don't tell him what we did. And, um, but we just, I opened up the Bible occasionally. And uh, no, just kidding. I'm joking. And so we were out there and I was just learning the ropes of leadership and discipleship. Like that's really where really a lot of, you know, sort of pastoring and discipleship really started for me was, was out there in these, you know, back rooms with these awesome young guys. And, and uh, I know I was remembering how I just stood up here when I was about 16. I, I remember standing there and Peter Thompson invited me to share what had happened that week. And uh, I had just led my grandfather to Jesus uh, that week. And he invited me to share. And I was about 16 years old and I'd led him to Christ on the telephone that week. And about three months later, he went to heaven. He was like the patriarch of our family. And he came to Christ. And Peter said, Matt, why don't you come up and just share what happened? And uh, so I remember just standing right there and and just sharing honestly what still today is one of the greatest privileges of my life was to lead my grandfather to Jesus over the phone and and incidentally the first person I ever led to Jesus was my grandfather but I remember the privilege of being able to stand there and share it before you and Don this one's for you I remember standing over here against this wall and it was like I think it was a Sunday night service I think we people who wanted to like be touched by God or be filled with the Holy Spirit or something like that, just wanted more fire, something like that. It was, you know, up up against the wall up here. And I remember just over there, uh, Faye praying for me uh, for, for the gift of tongues. And for the first time in my life, I spoke in the gift of tongues just over there. That gift came to me that night when I was 17. I remember it clearly, her praying for me just over against that wall. And so just, I could tell you memory after memory, just amazing things that took place in this church. So, so I, I say that to just really honor you uh, as a church uh, you, and the, the legacy of this church is amazing. I, I don't know how long you've, you could have been here two months or, or 50 years, but oh, I don't think it's been going that long, but for, you know, 20 years, doesn't matter. As, as long as you've been here, just know this, there's an inheritance and there's a legacy with this church. And I am so excited uh, about the leadership of the church. I know there's been some change. The, the generals that were leading it before were amazing. And, but I'm so excited that the baton's been passed and who's leading it now. I, it's impossible for this church to be mediocre. It's just impossible. And so I'm really pumped about that. Um, just quickly, I want to, many of you know her, but I just want you to see her and how incredibly beautiful she is. This is my wife, Elizabeth. Why don't you just stand up and say hello? This is my amazing wife. She is the best thing that ever happened to me. She's Norwegian, and uh, the best things come out of Norway the best salmon, the best fish, the best chocolate. And she's just one of the most. She's just the greatest gift to me. And so we've been married about four years now. And uh, yeah, we've been through a lot together and, and continue to do wild things like move to London together. And, um, but it's just amazing to have such a great marriage. And I'm, I'm so thankful to her uh, for, for who she is. Um, and so we uh, really quickly, we, as Andrew said, we were at Bethel Church uh, for four years. And then about literally about a year ago, God all of a sudden starts really impressing on Elizabeth and I like a burden for the continent of Europe. Uh, all of a sudden, we're having dreams, uh, prophetic words are being given to us, doors start opening for us. You know, I end up for somehow being able to speak to like a stadium of 15,000 people in Stockholm, Sweden, at Awakening Europe. And just doors started opening for us in Europe. And, and we were going to Europe and all of a sudden it was like, this feels like home. This, this feels like home for us. I don't, I don't actually want to go back to Reading. And everyone wants to go to Reading. And, so, and I'm like, I don't want to go back to Reading. And, uh, but what was happening was God was giving us this hunger and this uh, passion for what He's doing in Europe. 
You see, I believe Europe's in the beginning stages of a massive revival. Uh, we're seeing incredible things, not only as stadiums being filled with people, uh, miracle signs and wonders are on the streets like I've never seen. Uh, people are coming to Christ. There are great harvests of men and women coming to Jesus. Uh, there's unity in the body of Christ that's remarkable. There was an event in Germany just two years ago, 10,000 people in a small stadium, Catholics and Protestants uniting at the cross on the stage, 10,000 people, half Protestant, half Catholic in the one place, loving each other, uniting at the foot of the cross. Just amazing things like that that are happening. And, and so, you know, to cut a long story short, we just submitted this to our leadership at Bethel and our mothers and fathers, a lot of them just said, hey, we're feeling like God's calling us actually to move. We feel like we're supposed to go. And, every, and, and we submitted it even to people here and talked with dear friends here. And, and, uh, I, and, and everyone was just saying, this feels like God. This, this feels like the Lord. You need to go. You need to go. So we went and uh, at the end of May, we got sent out by Bethel and, and uh, were just tremendously blessed and loved and sent and, uh, and, and sent to Europe. And we're still a, a son and a daughter there, but we're, we're based in London. Pray for us. It's kind of crazy. And, uh, <clears throat> and so we're based in London and uh, we, uh, we have the privilege to just travel to different cities in Europe uh, can you believe they actually invite me and pay money for me to come and speak and Elizabeth to speak? It's unbelievable. And uh, a lot of the time they just want Elizabeth. And uh, so we go to these different cities and uh, we, we, you know, we're just equipping the body of Christ. We're just helping, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, we really feel like part of our calling is actually to equip. And so we really just go and just give whatever we've been given. We just give away in churches and conferences. And uh, we're part of an amazing network called Europe Shall Be Saved. And... Um, this is a, an, that statement, Europe shall be saved. There's like the anointing of the Holy Spirit on that statement, by the way. That statement is just going all around the world. Even in Reading, everyone's saying, Europe shall be saved. Europe shall be saved. It's like this momentum around Europe is, is even, you know, being caught in different cities around the world. Uh, and people are just saying, Europe shall be saved. Europe shall be saved. And so we're part of this uh, network which is uh, really just trying to bring together different ministries and churches across Europe just to be first of all to connect and to be in relationship and then second of all to be strategic. Uh, you know a lot of people have been all over the place doing different things for the kingdom but not a lot of great impact and so what we're doing is, is we're trying to be more strategic, work together. And so we're, we've got the vision of 100 million souls in the next 10 years. There is such faith for a harvest in Europe right now. And so we've got a vision for 100 million souls in the next 10 years for Europe. And uh, Elizabeth and I are part of the uh, evangelism sector. And we're in, on the core team there with Ben Fitzgerald and Jean-Luc Truxell and and so we're, we're really focusing on raising up 10,000 evangelists across Europe because the harvest is not just going to come from a few people preaching in stadiums. It's going to come from the, the body of Christ. It's going to be across the breadth of the body of Christ. And so we're, we're just working to go to different places in Europe to bring evangelists together, to, to really mobilize, to support, to connect, to see evangelists work together, to be strategic together. And we're going for 10,000 evangelists. And so, amen, I like it. And so we, we're also really, last thing I just want to mention, really exciting, is we are in the early stages of, of building towards uh, what will be our, our first real stadium event. And we've been a part of uh, a few in recent years, particularly with Awakening Europe, uh, that movement, which we're still very much a part of. Um, but we're also, Elizabeth and I are building towards a stadium event in Brussels, Belgium, of all places. And uh, I'm not going to go into it because it's a long story. I'm going to do it short. But we just, the Lord spoke to me really specifically one day when I was praying in my bedroom in Redding, California. I was just praying. I was not thinking about Brussels. I was not thinking about Belgian chocolate. I was not thinking about Belgian beer. And all of a sudden, God speaks to me in prayer and says, we need to strike the enemy in the heart. And uh, I just had that phrase just come into my spirit. We need to strike the enemy in the heart. And uh, I'm like, wow. Uh, and, and I just had this vision of 
uh, people being sent out from Brussels across Europe, carrying the fire of the gospel, being sent out across Europe, where the enemy was seeking to make Brussels a staging point for sending Islamic terror across Europe. God was saying, I want to do that, and it's going to be greater through my sons and daughters advancing the gospel. And so we, we, we had, all of a sudden, this vision kind of comes to me, and I'm like, Brussels is a staging place for people to carry the gospel across Europe. We need to strike the enemy in the heart. Elizabeth, God spoke to this to me just when I was praying. She said, well, do you know that Brussels is considered the heart of Europe? It's actually known as the heart of Europe. Even when you go to the airport in Brussels, they have this big sign, the heart of Europe. And so, again, I'm not going to go into it all, but we just uh, have been going into Brussels uh, a few times in the last few oh, Now I've probably been into Brussels probably six times in the last two years. And we now basically, it looks like we've, we, we've had one committee meeting already. I've got, we've managed by the grace of God to gather basically the major church network leaders all around the table. And, and they are all like a yes in their spirit. They're like, yes this yes to this what do you want what do you need let's do this let's all do this and so we we are building towards it hopefully in some uh, middle of 2019 uh, we're going to go for the stadium and uh, and God is is putting a statement on Brussels that this is this is a city that belongs to Jesus and this is going to be a city where we're going to send the gospel out across Europe from this city so I just ask you to pray for us uh, if you want to give us $100,000, that's good too. We need a lot of money and uh, probably you're going to need about a million euro all up. And uh, so if God lays it on your heart, don't hold back. And uh, so we we would just love it if you would pray for us. Um, that would be amazing. Um, and just to, um, I've got something I want to share today, but if you want to just follow what Elizabeth and I are doing, you can just follow us at our website, uh, matthewking.co, matthewking.co, if you want to just know what we're up to. So... All right, cool. Let's pray. And then I've got something I feel like the Lord just placed on my heart. So Holy Spirit, uh, come. Would you just come and with your presence? Uh, Lord, I can't do anything without you. This is not, I can't do a single thing without you. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would come. Let Jesus be glorified. I pray that the fire of the Holy Spirit would get in our hearts today. Lord, I pray that we would not be passive people. I pray that we would be active people, ruling and reigning, but with the heart of a servant. And uh, Father, would you just apprehend our hearts? Would you heal bodies? Would you deliver people? And I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would just be burning ones for Jesus. And uh, I just ask you to come and increase in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. Uh, I'm going to go there. Let me just set this up, though, as you're turning. You know, I remember being a teenager and, uh, you know, early in my years as a Christian, and I remember having a burden in my heart that I was supposed to lead people to Jesus. I remember having a burden in my heart that I was supposed to be uh, a conduit of the presence and power of God to bring change into people's lives. First of all, to lead them to Jesus, the primary commission, but also to be an answer to impossibilities in people's lives. I, from a very early age, it was inside of me. I knew that I was the light of the world. I knew that, I was, that, that Jesus said I was the light of the world, but then he said, you're the light of the world. And I was to be salt, light, and leaven to the world. And, I, and this burden started to come into my heart that I was supposed to lead people to Jesus. And more than that, I'd also say I was supposed to carry an answer to impossibilities in people's lives. And so when someone I knew was sick, I, was, I knew that what, what should happen is I should pray for them in the name of Jesus and they should be healed. Or someone I knew was struggling with torment of their mind, maybe fear or severe anxiety or something like that. And I was supposed to pray for them and there was supposed to be a change. Or there was, I was supposed to speak something and there was supposed to be a change. And so this very healthy burden started to come into my heart and life as a young man. And 
And, and I went to, I was sharing with the first service, I went to a boy's grammar. And so I was surrounded by a lot of opportunity to minister to people. And, uh, you know, I would work at, Paul and I were milkmen. That was our first, my first job. Remember that, Paul? We used to jump off the milk truck. And, um, and you know, or I'd work at David Jones. And, and I knew I was supposed to, you know, bring Jesus to the people, lead the people to Christ, see healings, signs and wonders, and, 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 and present who Jesus is to them. And I had this burden in my heart. But I want to be, can I be totally honest with you? I think I felt, for many years, I felt quite powerless. Now, this is nothing to do with any leader over my life. This is nothing to do with any person in my life. This is mainly about me as a young person trying to learn it and not seeing a lot and not having a lot of fruit and not feeling like it went very well. And I honestly just felt kind of powerless for many years. I remember bringing friends to church uh, and, and, and I would bring them to church and at most they would stay for a month and then they'd be gone. And there's like no impact on their life. And again, it's not about church. It's, I'm not talking about church. What I'm talking about is what I, this journey that I'm going on of trying to bring people into the kingdom, to try to do the commission. And I'm learning how to do it, but I'm, I'm in process and I'm stumbling and bumbling my way through it, trying to learn, but I'm feeling kind of fruitless and not feeling like there's a lot of fruit. And I remember thinking, my goodness, I'm supposed to pray for people with cancer. And when the cancer's there, it's supposed to go. I, rem- I remember, uh, um, I can't remember her name, but the lady that got thrown out of a wheelchair here and healed, Mary, Mary, my goodness, like I, I remember when that happened. She's thrown out of a wheelchair and all of a sudden she doesn't need her wheelchair anymore. And I'm like, well, that's supposed to be normal, I think. I actually think that's supposed to be normal. And so like God's exposing me to these things and I'm like, well, I, th- I think that's meant to happen kind of not just occasionally. I think that's meant to happen more. And so I'm, so what's happening is this n- hunger and this needs arising, this desires arising. But I, I want to stress to you, I really, I kind of felt a bit powerless and I didn't see a lot of fruit. And um, to give you an idea of how clueless I was, I'll tell you one thing I did. I remember I was getting teased a lot at boys' grammar when I, uh, you know, through my sort of middle teens, my, the boys at school would just tease me a lot about being a Christian and say all kinds of profanity and it was disgusting and, uh, and would tease me a lot. But I remember I, I would, I'm like, I'm supposed to make a stand for Jesus. I'm supposed to make a stand. And I actually remember uh, I read this little book. I think I probably got it from mum's bookshelf where she's got an extensive Christian bookshelf, by the way. And uh, so I remember reading this little book and it had about eight accounts of people that went to heaven and then came back. And then about eight accounts of people that saw hell and then came back. And I read this book and I thought, man, this is amazing. I'm, and I'm getting blasted by this book and just so touched by this book. And so I decided to take this little book to dad's office and get in front of the photocopier and print about three articles of heaven and about three articles about hell off and turn them into booklets. And then I put this letter on the front of the booklet that went something like this. Well, boys, you've teased me for a long time. Well, boys, it's been a long road of teasing, but I want you to now read for yourself. You can read firsthand, heaven and hell are real. And uh, you just read this, see what you think, and I'll be here if you want to talk. And so something like that. And uh, I'm just telling you how clueless I was. And so um, I made these booklets, and uh, I remember it was like a Tuesday. The last class of the day was business. Uh, I think there's the name of the subject. And the bell rang at the end of the school day, and I, I walk out, quickly walk out of the, the classroom, and I'm literally standing at the door of the classroom, handing out booklets one by one as the boys file past me, and I'm just handing them these booklets. And I just remember a couple of them going, what is this, Kingy? Stick it in the bin. Kingy, what are you smoking? You know, like stick it in the bin. And, uh, you know, just a bunch of them just threw it straight in the bin. A few of them read it, though. And I think a few of them were impacted. And, there, and I want to tell you, honestly, there was some fruit at the end of my time at Boys Grammar when, when I did have guys come to me and want to talk to me about where their life was going and their purpose and their identity. And so there was fruit, but I honestly, it's just a funny story of how, honestly, I, f- I felt a bit clueless as to what I was supposed to do. 
And so I, I just have a sense that I'm not alone in the room. And I still feel a little bit, you know, honestly, sometimes I'm not, I feel like, I, God, I need you to help me. I know I'm supposed to winning, be winning people to Jesus. I know I'm supposed to be healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, raising the dead, casting out demons. I know I'm supposed to be doing this, but I need your help. And so this needs arising inside of me and this desires arising inside of me. And this journey that I've been on in the last, especially the last 10 years, but it's longer than that, but it's been God. I need to see your power in my life. God, I need your power demonstrated in my life. I cannot read Matthew 10, preach the gospel of the kingdom, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you've received, freely give. I can't read that and then just kind of put it to the side and focus on the love passages. I'm like, I'm supposed to, this is supposed to be in my life. And, and this is my life is supposed to look like this. God, I actually think when I'm pray, I'm supposed to pray for people in the street that have terminal disease and it's supposed to leave. It's supposed to go. Not because I'm anything special, but because of the name of Jesus and what he did at Calvary. It's supposed to go. And so I've been on this journey of like, God, I, I, there's a need inside of me. There's a desire. There's a burden. I am supposed to see impossibility bend its knee to the name of Jesus. That is my destiny. That is what the Word says. That's what I believe is possible for my life today. And I've been on this journey. And so I, and I just sense that you know, many of you are here and you're like, I want to see that. I, I mean, I think it's probably most of us. Like you want to pr- see cancer dissolve at the name of Jesus. You want to see the, the torment in people's lives. Let's, let's be flat out clear. A lot of the time it's demons in people's lives. They need to get free from that. And then we need to cast the demons out of them in the precious name of Jesus. That is who we are supposed to be. Jesus came to reveal the Father and he also came to model what our lives were to look like. He, he came, he humbled himself. He came low in weakness. He prayed, he fasted, he yielded, to, he, he, he was yielded to, like he was exposed to temptation. And he was modeling that we were to be anointed by the Holy Spirit and to destroy the works of the devil. But let's go to the passage uh, that I wanted to focus on today, Matthew chapter 11. It's hard when Andrew's so calm and poised and then I get up and just start yelling. It's like, man, just be yourself, Matt. Just be yourself. No, I've had people say, Matt, I think you're just supposed to get more passionate. I'm like, really? You serious? So I just get passionate. I think it's who I've been for a long time and I'm just going to be passionate. And, And Andrew, you just keep having the poise. I like that too. Matthew 11 verse 20. Then This is Jesus. Then he, that's Jesus, began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. I just want you to stop there for a second. He rebukes the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Jesus' intent and desire and the will of the Father was the mighty works were to lead to mass repentance in the cities. You know, some people start to bash mighty works like, like it's something foreign from the kingdom. Mighty works are to lead to mass repentance. That is, that is what we're seeing here. The mighty works were to be in, they were to reveal who God was, his nature, his goodness. He, he, he's, he loves people. They were to reveal who he was and they were to produce a change of heart and life in the people and a turning to the Messiah. And it's the same today. The mighty works, uh, they express God's love and nature, and they are to be an, uh, uh, they are to move toward mass citywide repentance. Verse twenty-one: Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you 
that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Pretty sobering passage. It's like, Matt, you're pulling out the big guns this morning. But it's a sobering passage, and it kind of hits me every time I read it, that you've got these three cities where Jesus is doing most of his mighty works. And by the way, John's gospel says that if all the mighty works were recorded in the books, the earth couldn't contain it. And so we're talking a lot of mighty signs and wonders and miracles being done in these three regions. And Elizabeth and I had the privilege to just be there in Capernaum just this year. And it's amazing to be in those streets. And I remember just walking Capernaum thinking, this is where most, this is where so many of Jesus' miracles were done here. Ones that I've never read about, but I'll, I'll find out about in heaven. But there were so many done here. And, uh, and so you've got Jesus saying, hey, I, all these mighty works that I've done here in Bethsaida, Chorazin, and Capernaum, if they had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which by the way is Gentile pagan area, uh, pagan areas uh, near, near Israel, if these mighty works had been done there, they would have repented, which is, kind, again, kind of sobering. It's like, oh my goodness. That's it's, it's stunning. But here's, here's the positive thing. Jesus is saying mighty signs and wonders and miracles in the streets can lead to mass repentance. That's what he's saying. I want you to see the key here. I want you to, I want you to see that, that Jesus is saying there's good news for us in this. There's really good news. It's, not, it, it's confronting in a good way, but it's also there's good news here that signs, wonders, and miracles in the streets can lead to citywide repentance. That is encouraging to me. We just uh, were in Prague uh, 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 a few months ago uh, for an Awakening Europe event, and 10 days, uh, like a conference in a small stadium and the days leading up we had all these people out on the streets of Prague preaching the gospel praying for the sick praying for people uh, just out on the streets for 10 days we called it flood Prague like people just flooding the city and all these people preaching the gospel on the streets in the taxis and in the restaurants and it got so there was so much um, attention and kind of hype around it that some of the organizers of this event got contacted saying, hey, what is going on on the streets of this city? Hey, we want to interview you on the, na- on the news, like a secular news wanted to interview Ben about what was going on on the streets. And the only reason that it didn't end up happening is there was some massive news thing that broke, some big thing in Europe happened, and so Ben wasn't able to do it. But, uh, but basically what will happen this Christmas is, is a major Prague television network is going to broadcast the whole event on the national, on like the secular, you know, major national television network. It's going to play the whole event. But honestly, so much of the impact on Prague was not in the stadium, although there was amazing things. It was like the 10 days of just people on the streets, just preaching Christ, healing the sick, praying for people, no doubt casting out demons. It was phenomenal to see that impact. You know, we, we, we're supposed to carry this fire of the gospel, all of us. We are supposed, you might say, some of you might sit there and go, Matt, I think you're an evangelist. So this excites you, but it doesn't excite me that much. I just want you to see that it's in the heart of Jesus for you. It's in the heart of Jesus for your life to look like this. All of us are constantly surrounded by people with death all the time, death expressed in their life, cancer, uh, emotional torment, mental disability, men- mental problems, people in po- various levels of poverty, people struggling in life with fear and anxiety. There is so much impossibility. And Jesus is saying, I, I want to move through you and we- I want to see mighty miracle signs and wonders expressed through you on the earth. And I want to see Canberra repent. I want to see Canberra repent. Canberra can repent. Canberra can turn to God. It's possible. 
I remember God speaking to me at 18, starting to speak to me about saying, I want to see Australia saved. I don't even know what that looks like. (laughs) But I remember coming back from Toronto going, Australia's going to be saved. Australia's going to be saved. I was praying it. And I had things on my wall about a big map of Australia. Australia's going to be saved. Australia's going to be saved. It's not going to be just through a handful of people with a microphone and a pulpit. It's not just going to be through through, uh, having amazing churches, though that's wonderful. It's going to happen through you and I catching the heart of God, being anointed by the Holy Spirit, catching His heart, catching Him wanting to come upon us. Us, having that experience, a baptism of the Holy Spirit, filling of the Spirit, being filled with boldness and going and, uh, and going with faith to see impossibility bend its needed in the name of Jesus. It's, you know, honestly, uh, man, time just goes so fast. I, I you know, it, I honestly want you to know this so started small for me. This really started small for me. The first person I ever saw healed was when I was working at HIA in uh, Cam, Cam uh, what's the name of that? Campbell. Thank you, Mum. And uh, love having your mum on the front row. And uh, so I'm in Campbell working at HIA, and the janitor there would come in at like five o'clock at night, and we would just talk. His name was Louis. And uh, I would just talk to him. I'm just working as an economist. And I would talk to him. And Louis began to share with me that he's struggling with depression. He's struggling with depression in his life. He's got a massive issue of depression. He just begins to open up with me about his struggling with depression. And I just said to him one day, I remember it was late on a, like a weekday at like 5.30. And, and I said, Louis, Jesus loves you. Jesus does not want you depressed. He loves you. And I said, can I pray for you? I believe Jesus can lift this depression off your life. He said, sure, pray for me. And so I, I, I put my hand on his shoulder, just in the offices, and I just prayed for him and just commanded depression to be lifted off of him. And, I, and, I, uh, and then he just went home. And I, didn't, I feel like I didn't see him for about two weeks. And then about two to three weeks later, he, I, we, we sort of crossed paths. And he says, oh, man, I, I meant to tell you something. I said, yeah, yeah, tell me. He said, the other day I I got up in the morning and I just got out of bed and I went into the bathroom and uh, I was just washing my face with water and I just looked up at the mirror and I went and I said, it's gone. He said, I realized it's gone. And he, he starts yelling, it's gone. And he's yelling in the bathroom that his wife comes running in going, Louis, 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 what's going on? What's going on? And he's like, It's gone. And he's yelling in the bathroom. My depression is gone. And I tell you, his countenance was so different. I tell you, he he looks like a different person. You, You might be like, Matt, why did that happen two to three weeks later? I don't know, but I was just so excited that I I saw an impossibility bow to Jesus. It was like there was a breakthrough moment for me. Like God can do this for me. God, sorry, a better way to say God can do this through me. This is so wonderful. And so we all, I believe that I'm, I'm amongst friends here where we, we all have this desire. We all have this need. And, and we're all on a journey. And God is saying, God is saying, I want you to carry the fire of the gospel. I want this for your life. I want you to preach the gospel of the kingdom, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the, uh, cast out demons, raise the dead, freely you've received, freely give. God wants this for us all. And, and I uh, have been on this journey of just seeking and asking. And I'm going to come to that asking more in a moment. But I just want to encourage you again with my process that I, I, just one year ago, I went to Uganda and I led uh, a team from Bethel Church of School of Ministry students, about 20. And we went to Uganda and we went into this area of Uganda that has been so untouched with the gospel. There is so little church presence. I saw a church there. They told me that's a church building that seriously would have not been much bigger than the sound desk there. That was literally like you could have squeezed 12 people in there, I reckon. And, and they said, that's one church here. There was so little church presence. And they said, oh, by the way, Matt, probably about 95% of people here have had exposure to witchcraft, just so you know. Okay, thank you. <laughs> here we go. Uh, is that, and then they said, is that okay? And I actually, to be honest, I was like, 
awesome. I'm excited. And uh, being completely honest with you, Elijah on Mount Carmel, here we go. And, uh, and so we went into this area of Uganda, the Waikiso district, and we uh, were there. I was there for about eight days, and we were doing like village to village during the day. And then for four nights, we at the sports ground, we had a, uh, like a, a platform with lights and, and all that African music, and it was fun. And, uh, and so I remember the, seeing the most extraordinary things over time. Over seven or eight days, we, we, we estimate that we probably had about 450 to 500 people come to Christ, many of them recording their details on like a decision card. 450 to 500 people in the kingdom, children of God, after like only about eight days. We saw the most extraordinary things. We had a man had a, a tumor disappear from his body. Uh, we had one woman that... Um, she had such a severe stomach pain, uh, so bad in her stomach, they didn't know what it was. She'd been to three doctors that day uh, during the crusade. She'd been to three doctors trying to get an answer, probably had been to the witch doctor. She comes to the meeting as like a large, last ditch effort, comes to the meeting and she gets completely healed, starts talking for the first time in, I understand, like months, she starts talking. She had not been talking. She'd been in such excruciating pain and she gets completely healed God said Matt I want you to put me on display so one night I just said if you have any form of blindness I want you to come up on the platform right now and I, I went one by one with the microphone interviewing each person said what's what's wrong what's wrong with your eyes and they would say you know I'm partially blind or I can't see out of this eye or it's all blurry and they would say and I said to, to the audience I said do you want to see Jesus are you ready to see who Jesus is? And, you know, 50% of them are like, yeah. And uh, so I'm like, okay, here we go. We're going to pray and you're going to see Jesus. He's going he's gonna to come right now. And I, I felt like God gave me permission to do this, to put him on display. That's what he spoke to my heart. And so we, me and the team, we prayed for them. And I tell you, there was probably about 11 or 12 of them on the platform. And all but two of them raised their hands saying, we've had a dramatic change in our body, in, in our sight. And I interviewed a few of them. One lady was completely blind in one eye. That eye totally opened. Another person we interviewed and, and this man, and he's pointing to his ears going, they feel great. They feel great. And I'm going with the translator, what's going on? What's going on? Why is he talking about his ears? And the translator's like, well, I, I think his ears are opened. And I'm like, but we weren't praying for hearing. Like we're praying for eyesight. What's he doing on the platform? And, uh, and he's like, well, Matt, he actually is deaf and blind. And uh, he actually had about, he had, a, uh, not completely, he was uh, something like 75, 80% deaf, 75, 80% blind. Jesus opens his ears, opens his eyes. He's saying both are doing amazing. He's like, both are great. It was amazing just to see that happen on the platform. And so, but I tell you, I would never have imagined doing something like that. Years ago, I would never in a million years do something like that. I had no faith for that. But what I wanted, and this is where I'm coming to, is I've been on this journey of asking. I've been on this journey of asking. And that's really what I want to tell you. There's, if you're here today and you feel a little bit like I've felt for many years, I feel kind of powerless. I don't really lead people to Jesus. I don't really see a lot of sick people healed. I pray for people occasionally, but nothing happens. I tell you, I was, I've been there for so long and I still am there to a degree. But I tell you, over this journey of the last several years especially, I, have, I am continuing to see more and more and more and more. And it's not because some angel turned up in my room and put a mantle on me. It's, I like that. Lord, if you want to do that, that's great with me. You can do that. <clears throat> and, but what it's been is, is it's been an asking. It's been an asking. God, I, when I know when I pray for people with cancer, it's not supposed to still be there. When I pray for people with a terminal disease, it is not supposed to stay. I have prayed for the dead a few times now, and nothing has happened. I, I have prayed for my, I remember 
going down to Melbourne to pray for my very sick grandmother and nothing happened. I literally got up on the bed and was like shaking her in the name of Jesus be healed. It's kind of funny and I think she's in heaven now so we can laugh about it. But I literally was like in the name of Jesus get off of her Satan. And you know so I've been in these situations where I, I, have, I, I wanted to see something and nothing's happened, but I am seeing more and more and more. And as I, I kind of bring this to a close this morning, I, I want you to be encouraged that God answers the cry of our heart and the asking. I believe that with all of my heart, that He honors when we ask. You see, I believe personally, this is my personal opinion, God was exposing me from a young age to things like Mary being thrown out of a wheelchair because he was putting a hunger for something inside of me that he wanted me to ask him for. That's my personal belief. He was exposing me to things. He was exposing me to certain men and women of God that were moving in in great power in the name of Jesus because he was wanting me to ask. He was saying, Matt, I'm going to put this in front of you. What are you going to do about it? In other words, he was looking for me to ask because you see Luke's gospel says, if Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, Acts 10.38 says this, Peter speaking of Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, the, that, the writer of Acts, Luke, makes a distinction there between the anointing of the Holy Spirit and an anointing of power. just want you to pay attention to that. And so he distinguishes between the two. And so I am like, God, I need, your, I need you to anoint me. When I, I'm praying for people and I don't want to see sickness stay. I am seeing people that I really believe demons are tormenting them and it's not supposed to stay. God, please, would you move in my life? I know it's your will. Do it in me. Move in my life. Help me to lead people to Jesus. I want to do that. Would you use me? I know I don't deserve it. I know I'm not you know, I, I, I don't feel, you know, all that special, but I just believe that you want to do that. And so I, I tell you, I've done so much asking and I still do it. And I, I tell you, it's in the scripture. And I know there's other ways that we could, we could, we could go through the scriptures and, and power comes, I think, through different ways. The power and authority comes different ways. But I tell you, I really want to emphasize this morning, God listens to you when you ask him. When you say, God, I want you to give me the power and authority to see cancer destroyed in people's bodies. I, when you ask that, God likes that. God encourages you to ask for that. Be encouraged to ask for that. That is the will of God for your life. It's the will of God for my life. We are supposed to demonstrate the lordship of Jesus. That when Jesus Jesus did signs and wonders manifesting his glory, I am supposed to pray for people and say, this was not me, this was Jesus, and Jesus is glorified and lives are changed. We need the power of God and God wants it for our lives. God is yearning to give it to us. God, all of us, whether you're a mum at home, whether you're a teacher in a school, whether you work for the public service, whether you work for a bank, it doesn't matter. We are all have this glorious privilege to be Jesus to the world, to, to as he is, so am I in the world, to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, and most gloriously, to lead people to Jesus through the bold proclamation of the gospel, to boldly proclaim the gospel, to boldly speak it, and actually to see people wonder Jesus. Inviting people to church is wonderful, but it's another thing to boldly preach the gospel. And I, again, I've been on, I won't do it because we're about to close and time's got away, but I've been on this journey of just boldly preaching the gospel. And I tell you, I have, bold, I have spoken the gospel to people and I've watched them cry before my eyes, as I have spoken the gospel to them. That is the power of God. That leads people to Jesus, is the bold proclamation of the gospel. Not just on an evangelist, not just on a pastor, on us all. On us all. We, we have this glorious privilege 
And I, I, I know that there's faith in this room and there's a desire like mine to see cities repent, to see cities repent. Jesus said it was possible. Jesus wants it. Jesus is looking to you and I. And he's ready to ride on the weakest of donkeys right here. So let's all stand. I want to pray for you. And then I also just want to pray for the sick too, just in the final minutes. Uh, I, I can't emphasize enough. I don't feel like, I, I, I still feel like just a donkey that he rides on sometimes. But I truly believe that if we actually ask and we say, God, I want, to, I want my life to look like Acts, the book of Acts. I want to see your power flow through my life to a greater degree. Would you anoint me with the Holy Spirit and power as you did Jesus? He is my God, but I am following Him and I am wanting to replicate Him and I'm wanting to represent Him well. I want to show Him to the world who He really is and He has power over all evil. In Jesus' name, amen. So let, let me just pray. God, I just pray that you would anoint us with the Holy Spirit and power to a greater degree. Father, we need you. I actually feel like you're, I feel like, I want to really encourage you, I just feel it in my spirit. You're supposed to ask. I feel like we're together, supposed to ask together. I'm going to keep praying, but I just encourage you where you're at. If any of this has resonated in your heart, I want you just to begin to ask, express your desire to the Lord, what you want. Be specific. And, and as I said to the 830 service, we're not at a lawn bowls club, so don't be afraid to get a bit loud. So, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would anoint us with the Holy Spirit and power to a greater degree. I pray, Father, that we would actually see more of your power flow through our lives, God. We believe the blind eyes are supposed to open. We believe the deaf ears are supposed to open. We believe that the dead are supposed to be raised. We believe that there's supposed to be a harvest that comes in beyond our imagination. We believe that we're supposed to lead people to Christ. I pray that you would anoint us with the Holy Spirit and power to a greater degree. Just pray a little bit longer. Don't stop. Just a little bit longer. Tell Him what you want. Tell him what you want. Holy Spirit, come. Would you anoint us, I pray. Anoint us to a greater degree. We need it, Lord. We need it, Father. I pray that you'd anoint us with a greater measure of the Holy Spirit and power. For Jesus' sake. For Jesus' sake and for the sake of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. And in just a few minutes, I just want to pray. Oh, man, I've gone over time. If you're sick, would you just lay hands on yourself right now? If you have some sort of problem in your body, just lay hands. We're going to pray quickly. Lay hands on yourself. If you are sick and if you're next to a person uh, who, who uh, you, you, you need prayer, tell the person next to you, pray for me. Pray for me. And we're going to just do this in two minutes. In the name of Jesus, we, and let's all pray together. Pray with me. In Jesus' name, I command every chain of sickness and disease to be broken over people this, morning, this afternoon. I pray that people will be set free from all kinds of affliction. We just say, let disease be broken off of people's lives. Affliction be broken off of people's lives. I speak healing today in the name of Jesus Christ. I command pain to be removed from people's lives this morning. In Jesus' name, I speak the healing power of Jesus Christ to every sick body this, this afternoon, right now. And we say together, be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. Be free from all sickness and pain. We say today in the wonderful, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.